Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Anna Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Ohio Politics Explained, the lame duck in June week edition. This week, we're explaining the new standards for arming teachers in Ohio's classrooms, why we just gave Intel $1 billion, how a bill about the Ohio teacher residency program became a bill about transgender athletes, and the results of our statewide poll. Joining me this week is reporter Haley B. Miller. And if either of us sound a little punch drunk, it's because the Ohio legislature stayed up very late last night to pass a bunch of legislation. Yeah, the house was in until about, well, I don't even know. I bowed out of there at 11 o'clock, but it was their last expected session before summer break. So they were trying to pass a bunch of stuff at the last minute in true lame duck form. Yeah. So our first topic is one of those bills that's passed and it's now sitting on Governor Mike DeWine's desk and it would change the standards for training teachers to carry firearms in their classrooms. It's called House Bill 99 and it would lower the number of required training hours for school personnel to carry a weapon from about 728 to 24. But that number is up for debate. It's really complicated and wonky. And this is one of the few times I'm going to recommend strongly to read our latest article or even pages 72 through 75 of the actual legislation. Because the short story is the bill references another part of Ohio law, which deals with armed security guards. That says a person needs 20 hours of training with a handgun and five hours of training on any other weapon like a rifle. That would be 25 combined hours. But the bill, the actual teacher bill says no more than 24 hours of initial training, but four of those have to be mandatory scenario training. And it looks like that could add up to 24 total hours, but there are exemptions and Democrats say this is just like a legal mess. Actually, Senator Matt Dolan kind of agreed saying he wasn't clear on that part of the bill either. And that's why he voted no. Yeah, Dolan, uh, Senator Stephanie Coonsy uh, and a couple Republicans in the Ohio House were the only ones to oppose this legislation. The rest of the caucus was on board with it. And they say that, you know, they dismissed a lot of the concerns Democrats had about virtually all of this, but in particular, the the uh, number of hours required. They say it's clear that it needs to be 24. Districts can mandate more if they choose. Districts can also decide to opt out of this altogether and not have their teachers carry firearms. So they say this is all about local choice and giving districts the chance to regulate this as they see fit. Yeah. And at 10 o'clock on Wednesday night, the governor announced that he would be signing this piece of legislation. He said he looks forward to it. Um, He thought that the current law, as decided by the state Supreme Court, uh, which mandates peace officer training, which is where we get that like 700 hours of training, that's what the court interpreted our current law for arming teachers to be. He thinks that's way too many hours. So he called this a good reform to securing schools. 
Right. And this came on the heels of the governor announcing a slew of school safety initiatives after the shooting in Texas last week. School safety has always been a big issue for him. And this is another chance for him to position himself that way, particularly ahead of his reelection bid, while at the same time, perhaps showing his base that he is not super soft on the Second Amendment. Yeah. And that's something that the Senator Matt Dolan brought up as well, because he was the one who carried DeWine's initial um, slate of gun reforms after the Dayton shooting. And that included sort of a modified sort of red flag law. It was more dealing with what we call the pink slip law, which is how you get mental health holds here in the state um, and whether that should include a prohibition on owning weapons. But, um, you know, that is something that the governor has backed away from sort of saying, I don't think it's possible to pass given the current political climate. So I'm going to focus on what I can do. But Democrats have been pretty clear that what he can do, in their opinion, is nowhere close to enough. Yeah, and they also point out that the governor recently signed some other legislation, you know, such as the Stand Your Ground law a couple years ago, and even more recently, the law that basically throws out any of the training that you need to get a concealed carry permit in Ohio. So Democrats and Notably, uh, DeWine's opponent in the governor's race, former Dayton Mayor Nan Whaley, who stood side by side with DeWine after that shooting. And, you know, they see all this and say that, you know, he's just a hypocrite, essentially, and not standing up for the policies he actually believes in. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So our second topic is money. Specifically, the billions of dollars Ohio just gave to Intel, school safety grants, roads, and public parks. So this is what we call the capital budget, and it's several billion dollars for construction projects, which are essentially one-time money projects to make improvements around the state. And Intel was the big winner. The company, which plans to build a manufacturing plant outside Columbus, got $1 billion. This is a lot of money. It's, and you know, expected at this point. Ohio had promised until around $2 billion in incentives total in this $1 billion from the capital bill. As part of that, this is going to help them you know, create a lot of infrastructure around the plant to really just boost up that area. Yeah, it was for like water and sewer, for road work, the cost of building the plants here rather than other countries. Like it, it, it got broken down into like why it totaled up to $1 billion. And the bill also included like $100 million for school safety grants, which is another thing that DeWine has really wanted to do. Um, state parks got about $200 million for improvements. So there was kind of money for everyone. Yeah, there are a lot of projects across the state that are going to get an influx of cash that they need to get things done, which um, always makes the local officials happy. Yeah, there were lots of press releases about, look, we have brought X dollars here and Y dollars there, which we totally expected. Yeah, the one um, caveat with Intel is, you know, Democrats and some others have been 
pushing Republicans to put some provisions and in these incentives that say you have to hire Ohio workers, you have to contract with Ohio, Ohio businesses, and Democrats tried to get that into the capital budget late last night to no avail. Um, but that, you know, has been a concern from folks all along as to whether Ohio, you know, to what extent Ohioans are going to be able to benefit from this. So our third topic is a late night maneuver by House Republicans that attached a law banning transgender girls from competing in high school sports to a bill about residency programs for teachers. So, Haley, the reason I brought you a very large coffee this morning is because (laughs) you were with them last night. So what happened? So this came on the floor. I don't even remember. I think it was about 10 o'clock or so. So well after a lot of people in the world were paying attention to the Ohio legislature, except for me and a few other reporters. Um, (laughs) So... This is deja vu in a lot of ways. Republicans passed this legislation initially last year. They tacked it on to a bill to that would allow student athletes to profit off their name. Image and likeness, Governor DeWine at the time was not fond of that maneuver, um, said that this issue should not be handled by government, should be you know handled by local sports organizations and that kind of thing. So a lot of... Um, You know, you heard a lot of the same talking points that you did last year. Republicans in the Ohio House last night said that this is about women's rights, protecting the integrity of women's sports. They contend it's not an anti-transgender bill. Democrats were unsurprisingly very unhappy. They didn't like the way in which Republicans decided to tack this on to another piece of legislation. You know, they say it's discriminatory and really a solution in search of a problem because As of January, there were only five transgender athletes participating um, in schools across the state. So this, you know, is really not affecting a a significant percentage of the population. And Democrats look at this and say, you know, this is not the big issue that you are claiming it is. Yeah, I think it was Beth Liston, one of the Democratic representatives, who said that she got updated numbers from OHSAA. I think that's the right acronym. I really apologize if I just screwed that up. But they're the the board that handles school sports um, issues for the state. So all the school districts sort of participate and they get votes on different issues like transgender student athletes. Um, And she said the updated number is there is one transgender girl playing sports on a female team here in Ohio at the moment. So this may be a bill about one person. Right. And it's the latest in a series of attempts by Ohio Republicans and really Republicans across the state to find ways to, in the view of opponents, to roll back transgender rights. It's become a really hot button issue ahead of the midterms. Representative Rich Brown kind of called Republicans on this last night um, on the floor, said that they were just trying to throw their base red meat uh, ahead of the election. So it's, it's really become the latest in a series of culture war issues in Ohio. Yeah. And one thing worth noting that the original House bill, so there is a separate House bill, House Bill 61, but to deal just specifically with transgender student athletes, um, it hasn't had a hearing in about a year. The last hearing was June of 2021. It's never had opponent hearing and neither has the Senate version of the bill. So one of the criticisms that we've heard is that we've only heard from supporters like lawmakers like who are on these committees have only heard from the supporters of this bill. They've never heard from the opponents. Now, this isn't headed to the governor, though. It is headed to the Senate and the Senate could have all these hearings, but those hearings are probably 
not likely to occur until the fall. Yeah, they're out until, or at least expected to be out until then. So, you know, why the house decided they wanted to do this ahead of summer break, I'm not totally sure. As you noted, it had been a while since they held a hearing. So a lot of people really just thought this came out of nowhere. Yeah. And our final topic is a poll the USA Today Network conducted here in Ohio with Suffolk University. The results were released this week and showed a close race for U.S. Senate and a more clear winner in the gubernatorial race. So uh, J.D. Vance, uh, who is running for U.S. Senate, uh, was in the lead with about 42 percent of voters. But his Democratic challenger, Tim Ryan, is about 40 percent with 17 percent undecided. So you're covering that race. You wrote this story about the poll. It looks like it's kind of open right now. Is that an incorrect interpretation? It's close right now. And in a lot of ways, I'm not surprised by that, given how closely this was conducted after the primary. Vance just came out of a pretty nasty GOP primary. So he's trying to recover from that still and sort of reset for the general election. You have Tim Ryan, who's basically been campaigning as if he was going to be the Democratic nominee from the beginning of this. Um, and, you know, he is heavily courting the moderate vote right now. And that was reflected a little bit in the polls. He's a lot more popular among independents and Vance's. At the same time, though, there's a lot of opportunity for Vance to grow because a lot of people are fed up with Biden, fed up with the economy, and a lot of people blaming Biden for the economy. So that has the potential to ramp up support among Republicans and maybe even sway some undecided voters. And the other thing to keep in mind is that Tim Ryan has also been around Ohio politics for a solid decade, probably more. J.D. Vance is a political newcomer. This is his first run for elected office. So I'm sure Ryan may actually be enjoying some some name ID in the state. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, he's only been in Congress, so he's the most familiar to, you know, his constituents in that part of the state. But I do think he has some statewide name ID from when he ran for president. So um, he does have some work to do to increase that recognition across the state. But but yeah, he definitely, I mean, Vance is known for his book, Hillbilly Elegy, which is either a good or a bad thing, <laughs> depending who you ask. So, but he has, you know, a few months now to to increase his profile and, you know, has the backing of the, the GOP at this point. Yeah. And the results from the governor's race were a little more decisive, perhaps because the Democratic challenger, Nan Whaley, isn't actually known that well by the state. So Ohio Governor Mike DeWine had about 45 percent of likely voters. 30 percent said Nan Whaley, 11 percent surprisingly for the independent Neil Peterson and another 13 percent or so were undecided. Yeah, this poll kind of told us what we already know, which is that Nan Whaley is going to have a hard time unseating an incumbent governor. You know, that's a hard thing to do in any climate. It's going to be a banner year for Republicans. And while DeWine has alienated some Republican voters, which, you know, we saw that play out in the primary in May, he he has a lot of moderates and independents, you know, a lot of people, even some Democrats were pretty okay with how he handled the COVID-19 pandemic. Now Democrats are very not okay with a lot of other policies DeWine has supported, but he certainly, he's a, he's a very different kind of Republican than Vance. So they have kind of different, different paths to victory in November. And one more thing before you go. 
Buckeyes and Browns and Bengal fans won't be able to bet from their couches this football season. The Ohio Casino Control Commission announced Wednesday that sports betting has a universal start date in Ohio, and that is January 1st, 2023. So no betting on the regular season. But if maybe the Buckeyes or the Bengals make it to postseason, we could all bet on those games. Just another reason to hope the Bengals make it to the Super Bowl, I guess. <laughs> yes, and this Buckeye fan hopes that we get a national championship i'm i'm just putting it out there and if you want to learn more check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network like the zanesville times reporter that's z-a-n-e ville times reporter.com